0: Great to see you, yeah, 7 o'clock, wonderful to see you. My name's Josh, I am the campus pastor of our Brunswick campus, which will be launching two weeks from tomorrow, so if you, yeah, we're excited about that as a church. So if you live in Brunswick, the surrounding communities, and I haven't spoken to you yet, please come see me after the service. So, so how are you guys doing? Doing? Okay, there you go, good, doing pretty good, and you know, so... There, I've noticed something over the past six months, and I wanna see if you guys have noticed that as well. So, when I ask someone, hey, how are you doing? I feel like years in the past, you kind of get a a wide gamut. Like, oh, I'm doing great, or oh, doing pretty good, or, you know, all right, or hanging in there, or I don't know. I feel like you get the whole breadth. But recently, when I greet someone, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? I feel like everybody's response is ah, hanging in there. <laughs> ah, kids are driving me crazy. You know, I hear that all the time because that's my response to everybody. You know, usually I'm like a pretty positive person, pretty excitable and excited. but when I mean, someone asks me, Josh, how are you guys doing? <sighs> you can't even put the happy face on. I'm like, oh, it's okay, it's tough. And you know, I feel like over the past season of our life, our world, our country, we've been experiencing a regular pattern of joylessness. I feel like we've all, wherever, if you're a high school student, if you've got little kids, if you're an empty nest, or if you're retiring, wherever you're at, I feel like we're all experiencing this pattern of joylessness in our lives. Because I know I've been experiencing that. You know, that's why I was so excited about Easter Resurrection Weekend, where we get to be reminded of the joy that is offered to us in Jesus. Because every time we see in the Bible someone who has encountered the risen Jesus, the only response when they believe on Jesus is, is joy. And Jesus himself said he came that we would have life and life to the fullest. He is our fountain of joy. but I feel like we're all experiencing joylessness. So my hope for our time is that we would be reminded of Jesus's joy. The joy that we are offered in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in a moment, we're going to go through John chapter 20. And we will see three characters and patterns of joylessness that they have fallen into. But once they experienced the resurrected king, their joy was unleashed. So that's my hope. What I want to do before I pray, let's look at John chapter 20. Verse 19, if if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can fire that up. All the verses will be on the screen of this evening. So this is the first time that Jesus appeared to his disciples as a group after his resurrection. Starting in verse 19 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, this word translated glad, it's a really weak translation. Because in the original language, it meant exceedingly and abundantly joyful. The disciples experienced the resurrected Jesus and they were bursting with joy. My hope is that during this message, you will experience a greater taste. You will move in a step toward the joy that is offered to you in the resurrection. So I will pray and then we will look at three characters we see in John 20. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your resurrection. Lord, that you defeated sin and death. You rose again so that we could have new life, both now and for eternity. Lord, as we look at your word, would your Holy Spirit work in a powerful way so that we can experience your joy afresh together because that's what you want for us. So Lord, thank you that you want for us. May we... Uh, Receive that gift of joy that you offer us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So, here we're introduced to three people in this story Mary, Peter, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, the writer of this gospel account. So, let's look first at John and his response to the resurrection. So, now John, he was the youngest of the disciples. Uh, so, all of you high school students, he would be about your age, maybe about 16. Or 17, right? Maybe he would have just gotten his, you know, d- donkey permit or whatever, <laughs> learners to get. So he's, 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 in, he's a young kid. So he kind of feels a little even out of place within the disciples um, that he was a part of. Now, what was John's response to the resurrection? Look with me again at verse 8. It says, When the other disciple who had reached the, tom- the tomb first also went in, and he saw and what? Believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So we see here that John had an infant faith. Now, why do I say that? Well, because John looked into the tomb. He saw there was no body. So he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. But the very next verse said that they did not understand the Bible, that Jesus must rise from the dead. So John had an innocent, uncritical, simple, infant faith. Now, it was certainly faith. John believed that Jesus rose from the dead, but John's faith was not yet mature. Now, that afternoon, say, John bumped into someone and they asked, what do you think happened to Jesus? John would have said, I think Jesus rose from the dead. And that person would have said, well, why do you believe that? John, like, I don't know. I just believe the tomb was empty. Now, again, that's real, genuine faith. And if you believe and you're here this evening that Jesus rose from the dead and that I I, I just believe it. But if someone asked you, well, why do you believe that? What does the Bible say? maybe you would be hard-pressed to give an answer. Infant faith is faith, but God wants us to mature in our faith. Now, why is that? Because an infant faith limits our joy. If you have an infant faith, then your joy in Jesus is limited. Your capacity to experience and know this joy. Let me give you an illustration. My wife, Deborah, and I, we have three kids. We have uh, Judah, who's six, uh, Rebecca, who's four, and Hannah, who's one. And because of their ages, we have different expectations for our children based on their maturity. Now, one thing that our one-year-old Hannah uh, has started to do is when her mommy and daddy aren't watching, she'll sneak off, she'll take off her diaper, and she'll leave a little present for us in the den, and she'll come back waving her empty diaper, and we know something is uh, waiting for us in the den, right? As a one-year-old, that's understandable, okay? Now, if my six-year-old was doing that, that would be a problem, and if we had a 14-year-old, that would be pathological, okay? Okay? <laughs> I feel like there are many of us who are leaving little presents in the den spiritually when we should be growing up into maturity. I think there are many of us who are just fine having an infant faith. But the thing is that God wants you to experience greater levels of joy. He wants you to have experiences of His presence, of His power, of His Uh, of his uh, commissioning to do great things in his name. And see, I know that as a father. I want my children to grow up so that I can introduce them to new experiences of joy. For example, so uh, uh, Monday, I'm taking my son camping and Pastor Nate and his boys are coming along too. So we're all going camping. And my son is so excited about camping but there's one thing that he is most excited about, and he is most excited to use this. All right, Any of you kids in here? What is this? A pocket knife. Okay,, Mama, before you call child protective services, <laughs> um, my six-year-old son I bought him. His little name his name, Judah is written on there. What I do is, when we go camping, he goes and gets a stick, and I sit next to him. And I open up, I let him open up the little blade, this little one, and I give it to him. And he whittles a little stick into a point. And then he uses that stick, sticks a marshmallow onto the stick, and roasts it on the fire. And man, he loves it. He would do that all night if I let him. Now, I'm sure my one-year-old would love to get a hold of this and would love to touch the glowing logs in the fire, but she is not mature enough to experience this experience. You see, God wants experiences of his joy, but you must be mature enough to the level that he can give you a greater experience of himself. We must go to God's word and learn about who he is, we must choose what is right and pattern our life after Jesus Christ so that we can experience a deeper joy. We can have deep and mature joy in Jesus. Do you have a faith like John? Well, it's time to mature in order to experience joy in Jesus. Or let's look at the second character of our story. Peter. Now, Peter was the leader of the disciples. He was a tough fisherman by trade. And he was brash. He was bold. And about four days prior to this event, there was a group that was coming to arrest Jesus. And what did Peter do? He pulled out his sword and (laughs) whacked at these guards and lopped off a little bit of an ear of one of them. So he will take big steps for Jesus. But here's what scripture tells us. When Jesus was was tried, there was three opportunities for Jesus to speak up for his friend and for his teacher. And three times he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. And scripture tells us after he denied Jesus, he wept and he wept and he wept because he was so ashamed. So what's what's Peter's response to the resurrection? Let's look again at verse eight. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he John saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, we don't get a picture in the inner psyche of Peter. But we do know that John believed and they did not understand the scriptures. So I believe that Peter wanted to experience the joy of the resurrection, but Peter's shame stole his joy. See, Peter had a shame-based Faith. His faith was clouded by the shame of his denial. See if an infant faith limits our joy, a shame-based shame-based faith steals our joy. Now, have you ever done something so shameful that it causes you to distance yourself from those that you love the most? That's what shame does. See, I believe Peter had a shame-based faith because of the story we see in the next chapter in the Gospel of John. Now, we don't have time to get into it, but Peter and some of the other disciples were out fishing. And Jesus appears to them from the shore and calls out to them. And, they, and Peter jumps into the water and swims, and the other the other uh, uh, disciples bring the boat to the shore. And then there's this scene around a campfire. It's an awkward scene. There's Jesus resurrected, holes in his hands, in his side. And then there's Peter, who just a few days prior denied he even knew Jesus. And in that scene, Jesus asks Peter the same question three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he allows Peter to respond. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. The same number of times that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to affirm Jesus and to, to proclaim Jesus. And after that scene, Peter, uh, Jesus looks Peter in the eye and he says, okay, follow me. That's the same words that Jesus used to commission Peter three years prior. You see, after that moment, Peter's disposition, his response to other people, his life changes. He becomes bold for the right reasons. He becomes joy-filled and energetic in the work of the joyful gospel ministry that he's been given. Because Peter's response to the resurrection... Changed. No longer did he have a shame-based faith, but rather the joy of Jesus became enlivened in his heart because of the forgiveness that was offered to Peter. You know, many of us believe that Jesus has forgiven us, but our joy is being stolen by our shame. Maybe there's some things even in your recent past that you just feel ashamed of? Did you know if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe Jesus rose again, you've put your faith in him, shame should not be in any of your spiritual vocabulary. You see, we as Christians, we can be convicted, but we should never experience shame. Shame pushes you away from love, Conviction draws you to love. Shame says, i got to go somewhere and clean myself up. Conviction is when you come with tears in your eye to your daddy and you just say, Daddy, help me, I'm sorry. As a Christian, because of Jesus' work in the resurrection, we have full access to the Father. We never have to... try to to go clean ourselves up as if that was even possible. Rather, when we do things that are wrong, we go to Christ and we can experience the joy of forgiveness in Christ. Well, let's look at the third person in this story. It's Mary Magdalene who had, had what I will call a sensible faith. Look with me at verse 11. these things to her. So here's the scene. So the disciples have left Peter and John and Mary remained weeping. And she believed that grave robbers had stolen the body of Jesus. Now, grave robbing was a very common practice in that day. Often there would be dozens and dozens of pounds of precious spices that was put on the body. There are linen cloths that were very valuable. And sometimes other items would be left in a grave. So grave robbers would come and steal all that. It was a very lucrative business. And it was such a problem that Emperor Claudius, who, who reigned from A.D. 41 to A.D. 51, made grave robbing a capital offense during his reign. So Mary believed that grave robbers stole the body even after she saw two angels in the tomb, even after she bumped into Jesus and thought he was the gardener. It wasn't until Jesus said her name that she realized that it was Jesus speaking to her and that he had risen from the dead. Now, why didn't Mary believe? It's because people don't rise from the dead. See, Mary, scholars tell us, was most likely a wealthy woman, probably in the upper class, maybe the educated class. So Mary had explained away her spiritual experiences. She took what she was used to and responded, not with a Christian faith, but rather she responded with a sensible faith. See, Mary had a sensible faith. Wait a minute. Now, aren't we supposed to have a sensible faith? Isn't that a good thing? Well, a sensible faith, as I'm defining it, takes what is supernatural and makes it natural. A sensible faith respects Jesus' moral teachings but disregards his teaching about eternity. A sensible faith believes that Jesus is the Son of Mary but not the Son of God. I mean... I mean, look at this situation. We see it playing out. So there's an empty tomb. So Mary goes, okay. Grave robbers, of course, even though the linen cloths were there that were very, very valuable. And then she sees two angels in the tomb. And she thinks, just some weirdos in white clothing, I guess. Just sitting in the grave, sitting in the tomb. And then she sees Jesus outside the tomb. Well, of course, this is the gardener, even though Jesus was actually speaking to her. It wasn't until Jesus called her name that she realized. See, Mary was weeping at the tomb because she was a fan of Jesus, but didn't have faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're a fan of Jesus. Maybe you appreciate his teaching. You respect his moral code kind of the cultural significance of what he provided, but you have yet to put your faith that he rose from the dead. Well, you're in good company, because that's what Mary was like. But here's the problem. A sensible faith blocks our joy. The Bible says this. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 17, it says... If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, a sensible faith is merely sentimentality, and the Bible calls it foolishness. The Bible says if you don't believe in the resurrection, it's better to not be a fan of Jesus at all. See, Mary was weeping because she thought, Jesus died. It's over. I'll never see him again. There's only sadness in this life. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, she would have been completely right. See, a sensible faith blocks our joy because a sensible faith blocks a relationship with Jesus. We, you, if you are to experience the joy of the resurrection, have to acknowledge that Jesus did something that was supernatural that he rose from the dead so that he could offer us a new life, both now and for eternity. And if you're here and you're like, I don't buy the resurrection, man, we are so glad you're here, but you're wasting your time. The Bible says that being a fan of Jesus is not worth it. Only true followers who have faith in Jesus will experience any benefit from Christ. The joy of Jesus is blocked for fans, but for those with faith, Jesus is a fountain of everlasting joy. Well, where do you find yourself in the story? Are you, is your joy limited Maybe you're like John. You have an infant faith. You need to grow in your maturity. Is your joy being stolen? Or maybe you're like Peter, who has a shame-based faith, and you need to go to God in openness and honesty, because He is your Father. And if is your joy blocked like Mary, then you have a sensible faith, and you need to profess Faith. You need to get saved. You need to acknowledge your sin before God. You need to say, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. Come into my life. Change my heart. I want to follow you. Because Jesus wants you to have joy. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of trials, that joy only comes from experiencing the risen Jesus. If your joy is limited, now is the time to grow in your knowledge of Jesus through the word. We cannot deepen and mature without getting into the Bible. If your joy is stolen by shame, the way to move from shame to conviction, two ways, prayer and singing with other believers. There's something about being together and proclaiming the truth's of the gospel that draw us to the heart of God and melt away the shame. And if your joy is blocked, maybe you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And today is the day, tonight is the night. And we would love, love to talk with you more about a relationship with Christ. You know, one way you could contact us is you could simply text the word believe to the number on the screen. And if you are putting your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time tonight, or even if you want to have a discussion with someone, hey, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to believe in the resurrection? We would love to meet with you and walk with you. Well, my hope is that Easter 2021 can be a new step. It can be a pivot point in your life that you begin to experience greater and greater degrees of joy. But that's only possible when you experience the risen Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good and you are wonderful. You've given us your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to be raised to new life. Father, thank you that he rose, that he defeated sin and death, so that we could have joy we can have joy now and for eternity. Father, would you work in our minds and our hearts to grow in our faith, to live out our faith, to pursue you. And when we, when we fall, when we stumble, to go right back to you in prayer. And Lord, I pray for those folks in this room who do not have a faith in Jesus. But would you work in their hearts. Faith is a supernatural act. Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally act in their heart and their life, that you would give them the joy of Jesus. So Lord, we love you. We celebrate you. Lord, you, your son Jesus rose from the dead. And that is what we proclaim in our minds, our hearts, our spirits. That's what we proclaim individually as a church. Thank you that you did that for us. Thank you for the joy that you give us through your son. We pray that. We pray this in his name. Amen.